God has forgiven everyone, but not everyone is repentant. And so not everyone is in relationship with God. Or reconciled. Or reconciled to God. We follow his pattern. So if that's the way it is with him, it is sometimes that way with us. But our freedom is not tied to our reconciliation. Our freedom is tied to our forgiveness. Listening to the Single Mom Cast, I'm Mel Hyatt. Pam Keneally. Pam, I'm so excited about our guests today and this big topic, or I don't even know if topic is the correct word, uh, that we're going to be talking about of forgiveness. It's more like an issue, isn't it? It's more like a We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> and thankfully, we have some experts here today to help us navigate this. Bruce and Tony, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Good to be here here as in Zoom, right? You guys are Zooming in all the way from... The Atlanta, Georgia area. Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome. Yes. Well, Bruce and Tony lead a ministry called Forgiving Forward, and we are going to talk a lot about that in this podcast and resources for you that they've created and just learn from their wisdom. I don't know about you, Pam, but... I need to consider forgiveness daily. Yes, yes. It is It is something that we will continue to look at until we see the perfect one. So uh, this podcast is actually for everybody. But single moms, I'm especially glad that you have joined us today. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. Bruce and Tony, what would you like our listeners to know about you today before we get started and jump into this? Well, I think I would like them to know that even though our passion is for people to forgive and to be be forgiven, but to particularly to forgive and receive that freedom, we did not jump into this ministry because we thought it was a good idea to go teach people how to forgive and how to help other people forgive. Uh, we are coming from a we came from a place of great wounding, so we understand pain. We understand rejection. We understand betrayal. We understand a lot of things. Um, uh, Focus on the family at one time said that we were the worst story they'd ever heard. And so we've coming, we were, we were greatly wounded and we did not understand forgiveness like we do now. And we did not know how to apply it like we do now. And so because of that, we were in a lot of torment and God rescued us. And through that rescuing, he put in us the passion that everybody needs this message because everybody needs to live in freedom. Yeah, so don't uh, don't get overwhelmed by the concept of forgiveness. It's uh, in many people we think of the wounds and, and those become very huge in our lives, and so we don't want to deal with them. We want to stuff them and get away with it, get away from them rather. Uh, but but if you if you will just set, just relax in your spirit and uh, settle in, the, the things I think we're going to share with you are going to be your pathway to freedom. And uh, we see it over and over again. Yes. Absolutely. Well, this is going to be really one of our just, I have a feeling, most uh, well-received podcast that we have in our library mail. I'm really grateful to have experts with us today. So let me ask you both, uh, why... Is it so important for us to forgive? Uh, There's so much behind that question, uh, but the basic reason is that our freedom is connected with it. 
And uh, the, God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so that he connects his forgiveness with ours. And so the way we, it's interesting in the Lord's Prayer, uh, there's the one clause, only one clause that has a condition attached to it. And it's about forgiveness, but it's not like we would think. Oftentimes, if I were looking and predicting Jesus was going to give us a, a condition about forgiveness in a model prayer, it would be something like, God, help me forgive others the way you have forgiven me. But it's really the opposite of that. What Jesus is telling us to pray is, God, please use the standard that I use in dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use to relate to me. Well, do we really want God using anything we do as his standard, particularly how we deal with wounds? In fact, it's the only clause he gives immediate commentary to when he says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your father will forgive you. If you don't, he won't. Now, he's not talking about eternal security. It's a whole other question. But what he is saying is this, the way we deal with the people who wound us is how God relates to us while we're walking on the planet. So if you want to have a healthy, peaceful relationship with God, a whole relationship with God while we're living on the earth, you have to learn to forgive. Right. And when we, according to Matthew 18, when we don't forgive, God disciplines us. It's not a punishment. It's a discipline because he's, he doesn't want us to represent, well, we can't re fully represent him if we're not forgiving because that's what he's all about. That's why he came to the planet. And so in Matthew 18, we teach that message about the, the two servants. And um, he makes it very clear in there that when we don't forgive, he disciplines us by allowing us to be tormented by the enemy of all people. It's kind of shocking when you, when you read it. And but we've experienced it. We've been tormented. We know what that looks like. And let me unpack that a little bit more because the, 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 the parable she's talking about in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus a question, how many times do I forgive when my brother sins against me? Is seven times enough? Well, Peter knew the Pharisees that they said, if you sin against if, if, if you, someone sinned against you twice, you had to forgive three times. If you want to be generous after that, you don't have to forgive, probably shouldn't. So when Peter was saying seven, he was doubling the max from the Pharisees and adding one. And uh, looking for a pat on the back. And Jesus' response was, how about 70 times 7? Which is an <laughs> unlimited number when you think about it. It's 490 times. But if you get to the 460s and you're still counting, you probably haven't been forgiving. Mm -hmm. So then he says the kingdom of heaven is like, and gives us this, this picture of how God wants to, us to respond to people who wound us. And the story is, as Tony was sharing, there's this ruler who owed a, who, um, who came to collect debts from some slaves who owed him money. And the first guy owed him 10,000 talents, which was an insurmountable amount of, of money. He says, pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. Please give me time. I'll pay it back. But he gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. But what's interesting is what that talent was worth in that day. You want to? Well, we did the research on this, and, and one talent was worth 60 mina, of course, we don't know what a mina is. We were in Israel not too long ago, and they showed us a mina. But one mina was three months' wages. So one talent was 60 times three, 180 months, or 15 years of wages. Good. This guy owed 10,000 of them, which is 150,000 years of wages, of years of wages that he owed. In our economy, to get that, you know, get our head around that, in the the median income in the United States is approximately $50,000. So that would be 7.5 billion with a B that this guy owed the ruler. Now, how in the world he? racked up that kind of debt. It's Jesus' it's story. It's Jesus' story. He, he made it up. But, <laughs> but, but there is a, there, you will see later why that's, 
why that's significant. Well, this slave, rather than being in a good mood and throwing a party for everyone, he goes and finds another slave under his, not under his authority, online with him under the same ruler's authority who owed him 100 days wages, about mm -hmm. 16000 wow. which is like a car loan. It's, yeah. and even, it's not even a good car these days. That's a manageable debt. First debt, in, impossible to pay back. Second debt, it was. Same appeal, please give me time, I'll pay it back. But the first slave choked the second slave and threw him in prison. And the ruler summoned him and said, you... he heard about it, right? From yeah, yeah, fellow slaves kind of rat you out at yeah. times, right? He says, you wicked slave, which wasn't a compliment. I forgave you all that debt because you asked for mercy. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? Which is a legitimate question. Then the text says, and his Lord, the little L, moved with anger, rightfully so, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe at this point? Well, he didn't owe the money because if you forgive a debt, you legally can't reclaim that debt. But he owed something. What is it he owed? Should you not have also had mercy on the, your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? He owed mercy to the next guy, or what we call forgiving forward. And the torture in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. Thank Braveheart, the guy at the end of the movie. Most people have seen that. And it's we know what torture looks like. Now, Jesus leaves the parable. That's the, that's the thing that really got me when God revealed this to us in the midst of our pain. Is I used to read parables and go, that's a nice story. That's something, you know, get a principle from it, you know, learn from it, whatever. But this, this last verse of Matthew 18 is no longer in the pretend story. This is Jesus going right back to Peter and, and ask, answering his question. And he says this. He says, my heavenly father will do the same to you, Peter, and you other guys. And remember, Peter was the leader of the disciples. These were the guys Jesus trained to take the message of the gospel viral. So if anyone's going to get special treatment, it might be these guys. But the, he says, my father will do the same to you if each of you doesn't forgive your brother from your heart. Hmm. The same what? Well, in the context of Matthew 18, it can't mean anything but hand you over to the torturers. What the Father is saying is not that the Father, what the, what the, what the text is saying, what Jesus is saying is not that the Father tortures us. He gives authority for it to happen. He withholds his protection when we don't forgive. And this word torture is also translated torment. It's used 18 times in the Greek New Testament, and maybe with one exception, every other time it's used in connection with hell or demonic activity. What Jesus is literally saying to us is the Father gives authority for us to be tormented by demonic forces when we don't forgive. And it's not because we've been wounded, it's because we haven't forgiven the wound. Yeah. Good story. That's very good. Man, I... <laughs> that's excellent. You guys, I'm, you know. I'm just like soaking all of this up. And if I'm honest, in the middle of you talking about that and reading that scripture, I sort of transported back to this experience that I had um, as a single mom, I remember it. I could tell you like everything about the bathroom I was in. Um, I remember when I first was going through my divorce, Pam, I would tell people, if I can just get to a year from now, I'm going to be okay. And I, for whatever reason, believed myself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I wish someone would have said, Mel, yes. that's not how this <laughs> works. And I, on the exact day, 365 days, 
um, I was in the restroom in the in my bathroom and I was about to take a shower and that was the one place because I had a one-year-old and a seven-year-old it was the one place that nobody bothered me and if they bothered me I couldn't hear them bothering me you know um, and I remember realizing before I got in the shower that it had been a year and that I wasn't okay mm-hmm. and I bring that up because in that moment, I realized the torment. I realized that it had been a whole year of the same thing, and I felt this heavy weight from the Lord. And I'm going to ask you another question later on about practical steps because I remember feeling like the Lord saying, it's been a whole year and you still haven't forgiven. And I, it took me in that bathroom alone that day to recognize that I was being tormented by a lot of things. So what I want to ask on behalf of our single moms are what are signs of torment in a person's life so that they don't have to wait a whole year being alone in the bathroom and have this moment like I did. Well, that's very clear for us to see. We've been helping people now for many years, and the signs of torment are this that we see. Depression, anxiety, fear. Now, I'm not just talking about you see a snake and you get afraid. I'm talking about fear that grips you. Um, We see paranoia. All the addictions, whether it's sexual, alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs, even food, we see that addiction is 100% connected to torment. Mm. We also see it in some physical issues, not all, please hear me audience, (laughs) single moms, just because um, you may have a physical ailment does not mean you're under torment, but we have seen people physically healed when they forgave the torment left and they were forget. If the torment is expressed physically, when you forgive the tormentors will leave. Right. We also see it in um, anger issues, you know, outbursts of anger, that driving anger that just pushes you. Um, and then just this general heaviness, this, this like you're carrying another dead body, dead weight on your back. Um, those are the signs we see of torment. And as hard as that is to hear, when, I, when God revealed this to us in the very beginning, there was a lift in my spirit, not because I was free yet, but because there was finally an answer. I had been looking for so many years. I've been seeing, I've seen, I'm, in, I'm the pastor's wife. You know, you put the pretty pastor's wife face on on Sunday morning and go to church and act like everything's fine. And it wasn't. I was extremely depressed. I was suicidal. I was a mess. And when God revealed to me why, even though that was hard to hear, I was like, wow, finally there's an answer. I can get free of this. And I applied the, the what we call the protocols as he downloaded them to us. And, and I was set free immediately. It wasn't a process. I was immediately set free. And this is what we see over and over and over again is people being set free from their torment, the torment ending, just because they forgive. The gospel is simple. It's hard. It's very hard to forgive, but it's very simple. It is very simple in so many ways. Moms, I'm just sitting here thinking about you. And, you know, I know you understand bitterness. I mean, the root word, 
from bitterness means to prick. And so your soul, you know your soul is pricked. And I don't care how much you try to push it down. It's like pushing it down in a basement. Well, eventually trash starts to smell. And whether you realize it or not, uh, this odor will come out of you as it did me for a while. And I'm just thinking about your children. I know you would do anything for them. So if anything, would you just listen with your heart open to the rest of this podcast, not just for you, but for your children. So with that in mind, I just want to go ahead. I was thinking, um, Bruce and Tony, what's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? Uh, it's a great question. The So many people think that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. They're not. They aren't. Reconciliation is the... Uh, the the rec- is, is the bringing together two alienated parties. That's what reconciliation means. So in, in order to have reconciliation, you have two parties who have something to do. So the one who's been wounded, they bring to the table, just imagine a high top table with the Father, Son, and the Spirit sitting there. It's a Father's table. And we're, 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 he's there sitting at the table. And we've been wounded. We bring forgiveness to the table. And and we're reconciled with God, but we may not be reconciled with them. So reconciliation takes place when we forgive, which doesn't say what they did was okay. It says what they did was wrong. Yeah, forgiveness does not say what they did was okay. And I, I think it may be important to, to, to kind of go back and, and add something here. The reason we're tormented is significant. We have to know why we're tormented. Why does God discipline us that harshly? It's because forgiveness is at the core of the gospel, and you can't cut the gospel anywhere it doesn't bleed forgiveness. Because on the cross, when Jesus stretched out his arms, he said, it is finished. It was finished for everyone. 1 John 2, 2 says, he, Jesus, is the satisfaction for our sins, but not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world, which means people don't go to hell because they've not been forgiven. They go to hell because they've not repented to receive the benefit of the forgiveness. So when three days later, the father, when he raised him from the dead, said, I agree. And so when we say God will forgive, but I won't, we're saying God may be satisfied with what this, what Jesus did to pay for that. But I need something more than the blood of Jesus. Because forgiveness is simply applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. So when we understand that and we move back to this reconciliation question, that we bring forgiveness to the table. What they did was wrong, but Jesus paid for it. And so we come and sit at the table. Now, the person who's done the wounding, they bring repentance. And repentance isn't changing your behavior. It's changing your mind. Metanoia means to completely change your mind. It means what I did was wrong. Now I I used to not think it was wrong. Now I know that it's wrong. What can I do to make it right? At which time the person who's forgiving, who has already forgiven, says, thank you very much, but Jesus has already paid for it. So that's a really fast summary of that but we come to the table and we have great relationship with the father son the spirit and we let god deal with their repentance and let god go after them so we're called to forgive whether they repent or not god has forgiven everyone but not everyone is repentant and so not everyone is in relationship with god or reconciled or reconciled to god we follow his pattern so if that's the way it is with him it is sometimes that way with us but our freedom is not tied to our reconciliation our freedom is tied to our forgiveness. And it's not, um, it's, it's so hard to, uh, it's like salvation. You know, when you accept Christ and you receive his forgiveness, he does something in you. When you forgive, he does something in you. 
and it's it you, you've experienced this freedom there's nothing like it other than salvation and so when we forgive we are reconciled with God, we may not be reconciled with our wounder, but we're reconciled with God and we have freedom. And so we trust God to move in the other person's heart, the person who did the wounding, to bring them to reconciliation with us. If it, Actually, he will bring conviction to them. Whether they uh, respond to that or walk in that, that's their choice. But we have so many stories, so many, even personal, where someone is forgiven, they don't say a word to the other person, and in a very short time, the other person comes to them and repents without them saying a word. God does that. It's incredible how many times in the story. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that a lot of people get wrong in this, and I think it's probably true a lot of single moms or divorced ladies who will say, yeah, he did, it's all his fault. He did it, which it's never all anyway. We always have our own issues, but yeah, he wounded you. He, he betrayed you. He did whatever. And he's not repentant. And I won't forgive until I repent, until he repents. Well, if we do that, there's two problems. One, we're making our forgiveness based upon their repentance. So we're instead of making it based upon the cross of Jesus, because he already it, it has to be about what Jesus did, not about what they did. And the other thing is that when we don't forgive, we're in torment. So we're allowing whether someone who's unrepentant, which by definition means they're thinking badly, to control whether or not we're in torment or not. And that's just that's just not a it's not a good idea. It's a foolish concept. So God wants us to separate them from what they did, forgive, apply the blood of Jesus to it, and sit at the table and let God deal with them. And you can be free whether they never own up to their issues. I appreciate that wisdom because I know I found a lot of freedom in believing that I needed to just focus on what I can control. Right. You know, and when I can even just in my day in, day out with my kids or with my dog or what, you know, whatever it is, there's this freedom in in this situation. What can I control? So I really appreciate that. I do. I want to um, ask you a question about practical steps, because if I transport back to that moment where I was having I was a year in and everything should have been better and it wasn't and I was listening to this podcast when Pam said, you know, it is really simple and you guys agreed, I think I probably might have paused it for a moment because in that moment I would have disagreed with you uh -huh. that forgiveness was simple because uh -huh. I didn't have practical steps. And I, I needed somebody to tell me because I was trying to keep two kids alive and figure out how to do all of this on my own. And I, I, and I believed I worked I was in ministry uh -huh. while I was going through my divorce, so I believed, yet I was sure. struggling because people were telling me the verse, and you just need to forgive him, and I thought, how? Because how? I, <laughs> yeah. I will do it if you will tell me how, and I think I even had that moment with the Lord of, if you will tell me how, I will do it, um, awesome. and so I needed these practical steps, so what from from what you have experienced, what practical steps of forgiveness could our single moms use to experience this? And that's a, a crucial question because one of my complaints with a lot of the forgiveness material out there is they tell you to forgive and they tell you what it isn't, but they don't really tell you how. And we, we have discovered what we call protocols. We call them steps, we call them protocols because these are, these are like 
the ingredients in a recipe that if these ingredients are there in, in proper form, you're going to, you know, that your dish is going to be well done, uh, correctly done. So with these elements are in there, the heaven says you have forgiven and uh they're so, very simple yeah that's very simple would you like me just to run through them well we can or do them back and forth well it's important to do these out loud yeah that's the first thing do them you out loud declare it and then uh if you can do it with someone there's help there's help in that as well right because james 5 says to confess your sins one to another so you may be healed and unforgiveness is a sin so if you walk if you let someone listen to you and kind of pray with you and help is we do it in prayer form it's to God. It's not to the person who wounded us. It's between us and God. But we do it out loud. It's very important because um, just to think it, it just doesn't doesn't seal it. Doesn't it? Doesn't make it. What's the word we use to really set it? And, it doesn't val- it doesn't it seal it. Doesn't, see, doesn't, 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 yeah, I can't think. What of word you're using? I don't know. But anyhow, <laughs> it's important to do all that. So um, the, we have seven protocols. The last two are how to deal with the memories and and how to move forward. But the first five are how to forgive. So the first one I'll just start with that is um, thank this is to thank God for forgiving you. To start from that place of recognizing that you're no better than the person who wounded you, that you're, it's, you know, it's only because of the grace of God you are where you are. And so they take a moment and just reflect back at his forgiveness of you, of his sacrifice, of the blood he shed for you, leaving heaven and, and leaving all of that to come here to, for you. So take a moment and thank him for what he did on the cross for you. So that's number one. Yeah, and the second protocol is uh, crucial. It's called, it's repent of your sin of unforgiveness. Number two is repent of your sin of unforgiveness, recognizing that unforgiveness isn't a bad idea. It's a sin, and it's the most harshly sin a believer, we believe, harshly disciplined sin a believer can commit. And so the way you deal with sin is you repent of it. God, I was wrong. I I thought I was justified. I thought I was okay, but I was wrong to dishonor the blood of Jesus by not forgiving, by expecting more from that person than what you've already paid on the cross. I repent of my sin of unforgiveness. This is the protocol that cleans your, in, in, in many ways, cleans your pipe between you and God. It opens up the communication airways between you and the Holy Spirit to be able to help you as you move forward through the mm-hmm. protocols. The number three is we actually take a moment and ask God to bring to our mind who he wants us to forgive and for what. So we think we know who has wounded us and we think we know where the root is. But we have found most of the time that the present situation is not really the root of where the torment began. It began way back in our lives somewhere. I was coaching a lady yesterday who she gave me her whole story. It was horrific, all that she had done. She's a single mom. Unbelievable story of um, pain. And when we began the coaching part, the praying and forgiving part, I asked God to bring to her mind or her heart a name or a face of the person he wants her to forgive first. And then we gave silence some time to speak. We waited. And another person came to her mind. She hadn't thought about it in years. And she goes, oh my gosh. And so we walked through. And that was the root of where her torment had begun. And so we asked God, who do I need to forgive and for what? And listen and wait for him to bring that person to your mind. So that's number three. Yeah, and uh, number four, coming out of that. Oh, by the way, we will, let me add add this in here. Of all the couples that we've coached in crisis, the wound 
that's causing the torment that drives the conflict in the relationship predate the couple knowing each other. So in your situations, ladies, where you've got ex-mates that have done a lot of the stuff they've done to you, while it is true they did it to you, it's driven not by you or by them. It's driven by the torment that they have from their past. So where do you get to that past? As Tony said, you ask God. The fourth protocol is, is, is actually the forgiveness protocol. It's you forgive each offense from your heart. And that's why we say forgiveness isn't a process. It's, it's not the mistake I think, uh, uh, Mel, you were making is that if I wait a year, it'll process a lot and I will get free. It doesn't work because forgiveness is a transaction. It's, an, yeah. it's a decision. We make a, it's a transactional choice to forgive this person, apply the blood of Jesus. So from my heart, I choose to forgive my dad for, and you list the wounds, the way he has wounded you, because we don't forgive people. Mm -hmm. We forgive wounds. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So God, when she says, who do I forgive him for what? It's what are the wounds that has inflicted upon me that I need to put at the foot of the cross? So from my heart, I choose to forgive my dad for not showing up at my uh, events at school, for, for cheating on my mom, for I forgive my mom for telling me I would never be good enough or, or uh, leaving and abandoning our family or whatever the wounds are, list them out from my heart and just speak them. It, it takes a while. Sometimes it's... Mm -hmm. We'll coach couples or individuals. It'll take two hours plus often to, to coach them through. Uh, and we stay with one person at a time. Yeah. We don't bounce around. We just stay with one person until the Holy Spirit stops bringing the memories of specific wounds to our mind. And when, they're, when you're not sure, you pause and say, uh, Lord, is there anything else I need to forgive this person for and just again listen be quiet silence as the holy spirit speak to you and so oftentimes this is where that deep root that we have we've stuffed and covered that god brings that out so it can get the light and it can and we can move from as as pam was saying the stinking part out of us and that can be healed and cleansed and, and free so what when the holy spirit is done you're done and you conclude this protocol by saying i declare this person is no longer in my debt, for I transfer their debt to the cross where Jesus paid it all. It's literally you declaring that this, whatever the debt is, if there's still an issue, it's no longer between you and them, it's between them and God, and you're getting out of the equation. Right. You know, and I, so go ahead. that's when the free, you'll experience some freedom. But you're not, the real freedom comes after protocol five. This is the last one. It's the validation the, protocol. Yeah, validation. And this is you bless the person that's wounded you. Mm -hmm. um, and you ask God to bless them. So this is still in prayer form. But you end it by something like this. Lord, would you please bless my father by letting him know how much he is loved? Would you bless him in his relationship with his new wife, which I'm making this up, but you know, would you bless him in, in uh, his work and his, it's whatever you want God to do good for them. So it's not like bless him by helping him know how wrong he was, you know, what he yeah, did to me. That's self, yeah, that's, that's self, uh, that's selfish, I yeah. guess is a better word. Yeah. And, but you bless, you really truly ask God to bless him. You want good for him. Blessing means you want good for them. And so you ask God to bless them and in, in God will bring things to your mind. If you can't bless, then you will you know right there that you haven't fully forgiven. So you ask God again, oh, I miss, I must have missed something with my dad, God. Who was it? What was it? What did he do? 
would you please bring what it is that I'm holding back? And I'd like to kind of tag onto what Bruce just said about protocol four. When the Bible says to forgive from your heart, what does that mean? It means to forgive from that place you were wounded. And so we have to get into our heart. So just to say, I forgive my dad, first of all, that doesn't work. And just to say, I forgive my dad for being an alcoholic may help a little. But when you get into your heart, you're saying things like this. I forgive my dad for being an alcoholic and embarrassing me when he came to this event and he was drunk or making me feel like I couldn't live my life like my friends and invite invite my friends over because, you know, I would be embarrassed because of what he would do or how he'd react or, and for, you know, just, you list the ways in which he hurt your heart, the, the feeling, you know, the way he made you feel. Um, so you, you, you take it deeper, I guess I should say, and go into the feelings, but you seal it, you seal their forgiveness by asking God to bless them and looking ways to bless them when possible, if God opens the door for that. And at this point, you will be free. We always ask, at this point, how's your heart? And we always, it's its always the response is, my heart is light, my heart is free, I can breathe again. I, um, uh, one, one little girl said, my heart's fluffy, which I, as a guy, I'm not sure I understand, <laughs> but it's a good thing. God, God does something, that's what, that's the, that's the sign the tormentor is. And you will experience the freedom from the yeah. depression and the addictions and all that thing, all those things. Um, kind of wrapping this up, just if you want the, the protocols, if you want to receive those, you can go to our website, forgivingforward.com and on the homepage, slide down a little bit and you'll see the forgiveness guide. You just, if you put your email in there, we will email you our forgiveness guide, which has all the protocols yeah. Yeah. on there. Yeah, and protocol six is just how to deal with the memory. It's already been paid for you. When the memory comes back, the enemy's giving it to you. See, I, I, I specifically remember forgiving that. Thank you for the freedom I got and could bless them again. And then we make pre-forgiveness a lifestyle. That's number seven. We just choose not to be offended anymore. I do love that. You know, you mentioned a declaration, and I just want to say this before I ask you a question. I'm thinking that there is a declaration against the the stronghold and the demonic forces that have you tied up that you don't even realize, but there is power when we declare God's word against the enemy. And there is, there is a spiritual warfare going on here, but there is power in that declaration set in the blood of Jesus. And I think that's so important for you moms, because I'm thinking of you and you're thinking, you don't know what I have done. You don't know what I did. You don't know the horrible thing I have done in darkness. You don't know the shame I carry. And all these things, it's turned inward all of a sudden. It's not, it's your inward, um, inward shame that you don't even know how to forgive yourself. And yes, other people have hurt you, but you don't forgive yourself. And, and it torments you and it is a torment. So I, what do you tell people, um, Bruce and Tony, how to forgive themselves. Well, that's very important. We find that forgiving ourselves is probably the number one person we need to forgive. And we forgive ourselves for the things we've done that's wounded us. And sometimes that's when we wound others. We've wounded ourselves when we've hurt our children, when we've hurt, you know, whoever. But we walk through the same protocols. Lord, I choose to forgive myself for. And we list the ways in which we wounded us. Um, Some women have to need to forgive themselves for having an abortion. Um, That's a big one. And when we bless ourselves, um, we go big. Yeah, I mean, when we finish all of the wounding, we ask God to just bless us. But one thing we have found effective is specifically in the abortion arena is, Lord, would you please tell in a blessing part, would you please tell my child 
that I am so sorry for what I did and that I'm, I have forgiven myself and, and I'm okay now. And that, you know, something along that line, you ask God to kind of intervene right there for you. I, I don't understand what I know, but the power of that is incredible. Yeah. Forgiving ourselves is very important because we do blow it, but we also need to give ourselves permission to blow it. We're not perfect. So we need to lose the perfectionism um, deal. And we just need to. Yeah. yeah. And, and also remember if God is satisfied with what Jesus did for what we did, who are we to expect more? It's just, it, and we're we're putting ourselves under torment because of the way we rela- are relating to ourselves, which is just kind of goofy. So forgive yourself. And I want to go back a little bit, Pam. You don't have to make another declaration when you, we have found that you never have to ask the tormentors to leave when you choose to forgive mm-hmm. because they're there under the authority of the Father. And discipline always ends when the uh, discipline accomplishes its goal, which is forgiveness. And the moment we forgive, the Father himself tells the tormentors to leave. Yep. They're gone. But she's referring to, I believe, the declaring. You know, I, I understand all that. Yep. I'm saying that, but I'm just going to... They're no longer at our debt. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with what she says about that. What I am saying is that you don't have to make any other declaration except I declare and I, this person is no longer in my debt because Jesus paid for it all and the tormentors leave. It's I do that. Love that. I do Simple love that. and that. That's power. just a miracle, isn't it? Y'all, this is so powerful. I personally will have to go back and listen to this when it's published. And right now, as you are saying this, a few people have welled up my heart. My chest is beating because they so need to hear this. And it's so, so powerful. Praise you, Jesus. I just praise you, Jesus. Is there anything in closing that anything else you would like to say to our single moms today? I guess I would say uh, I grieve for you. Uh, my dad taught me how to honor women. And my, I had to honor my mom, and, and it's one of the blessing things I do, and, and I try to do that with Tony and our, our daughters. But just know that it, it grieves me the way many of you have been treated, but it grieves the Father more. That's why he sent Jesus to pay for it. And so just rest in it. And if you need our help, we're here to help. You can call our office. Uh, our website is forgivingforward.com. There's a lot of resources on there. We have a new video course that we uh, have just launched on the on the website. If you want to go further, there's materials there to help you. But there is freedom at the end of forgiving. That's what you need to hear. Your situation is unique to you, but it's not unique in the world. We all have been wounded, and the blood of Jesus covers all sin, including the ones that wound me and you. And I would just say, um, as an example, I met with a 53-year-old single mom yesterday. Her father tried to kill her before she was born, and then again after she was born. He played Russian roulette with her. Then she married into a situation that was absolutely horrific. Her husband had multiple affairs and would actually taunt her with them. It was it was a way he um, abused her. And there were, she thought there was no hope. She had been to multiple doctors. She comes and we, I share with her this, this message and we walk through the protocols of forgiveness together. She was scared to death. She thought she could never be free. She's got lots of torment, lots of physical issues, lots of uh, emotional issues. And when she was done, it took an hour and 45 minutes. That seems long, but when you have your whole life set free in an hour and 45 minutes, that is no time at all. And she could not believe the freedom. She just could not stop uh, praising God for the freedom she received. She walked out a completely different person. And for everyone listening to this, it seems so simple, but that's the gospel. 
it is simple. And that's what I offer you, what we offer you. That's it's, it's nothing we have in ourselves. It's the gospel we're sharing. So take our advice and walk through forgiveness because we wish we would have known this many, many years ago. Mm, that is so great. You know, in closing, I just don't even know where to go with this because I'm thinking of our single moms, not just for yourself, but for your children, please. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about my adult children today that I have a great relationship with them and they have a great relationship with me. And it was a choice I made a long time ago to give them the freedom to love their dad and love the world and for me to deal with what I had to. Um, I, I'm just thinking of my children and your children and they, they deserve they deserve the best, and they deserve for you to take a look at this and take a look at this topic today. And as I'm thinking about this in closing, I wrote a book, The Single Mom and Her Roller Coaster Emotions. And one of the chapters was um, from the quagmire of anger to the release of forgiveness. And as I read that chapter, that chapter in my book this morning, I thought of you and many of you have had assaults of every kind, a, a broken promise, maybe an evil plot against you or a personal disregard or a grotesque mistreatment or an insensitive comment, and you are hurt. And yet I think about David in the Bible, and um, I love... <laughs> I love the way he was angry, and I love the way he addressed God with his anger. And in my book, it says, I love David. He was a man after a single mother's heart. He, too, suffered disappointment of the gravest kind. It amuses me how he expressed his raw emotions to God. Remember earlier when we read how David's close companion betrayed him? Note what David said to God in his fury. And I'm quoting this, moms, from... Psalm 55, 15, in the Message Bible, David says, Yes, God, haul my betrayers off alive to hell. Let them experience the horror. Let them feel every desolate detail of a damned life. You guys, he (laughs) is angry. And you think, can I talk to God like that? Moms, listen, God listens when you tell him how you really feel. We might as well be honest with him because he already knows. And yet notice what David voiced to God immediately after he unloaded his anger. He went on to say, Yet, God, I will call to you. You will help me at dusk, dawn, and noon. I will sigh deeply, and you will hear and rescue me in danger. Moms, listen. God is a rescuer, and he has sent you to this podcast today to rescue you, to rescue you. You are listening for a very specific reason. And so in closing, I just want to say the freedom you long for, that lifestyle of a spirit-filled wholeness and Christ-centered joy flows out of that wondrous reservoir of only God's love. And I want you to know He is ready today, right now, to release the debilitating chains of anger and bitterness that bind you. So the question I want to close today remains, are you ready to participate with Him with your choice to forgive and His promise to set you free today? Today is your day to become all that God has always longed 
for you to have freedom in Him. My friend, choose freedom. Yes, choose freedom right now.